Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk. Adam Peacock here with Brad Haddon once again. Have you uh, got back to regular sleep patterns? I mean, the, the, the players themselves, they're probably still over the limit as we sit here right now, not uh, advertising or advocating for alcohol consumption, but the guys are enjoying themselves. But we back here in Australia, we've just got to get back to, you know, the, the normal nocturnal hours. Man, I'm, I'm advertising for it. Mate, <laughs> you got to, when you win a big event, you got to <laughs> celebrate. And, and the man we've got on today is one of the best in the world of that. And I've had some of uh, the best celebrations after test wins and also after test losses, we've sort of found a way to um, like get our chins in the bottom of a beer. So, mate, this man's going to be good fun today. Well, I was going to wait until after the ratings and after the preamble to introduce him, but I'll do it right now. He is the uh, the doyen of the dance floor, I've heard, after a, a big win. Chris Rogers, Victoria coach. He's a very sensible man these days, but we won't get into those uh, discussions as well. Bucky, uh, thanks for joining us, mate. How are things? Uh, things are very good. Thanks, Ad. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll only just put a, a rider in there that Hads and I would often have a, a bet about who would be the last man standing, and I will say I lost every one of those bets. So you can work it out. <laughs> Who's the champion there? <laughs> well, I tell you, it's an exciting day, though, to have Bucky. Test cricketer 399 and a dual international uh, about to be. About to be? Well, with the Paris Olympics coming up, what I've noticed is breakdancing <laughs> is coming to the Olympics. And, mate, it, this man, if you're looking for a breakdance yeah. superstar, he's done it on the steps of the Opera House. So I can't wait to see Buck in Paris in, in 2024. Explain yourself. Yeah, no, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure the hips are working that well anymore. Uh, I can barely touch my toes, so I, I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh, brilliant. We're going to reminisce about the 2013-14 Ashes series a decade ago. Incredible series. So many stories out of it. I'm going to try and stump Hads with a trivia question as well, and I haven't given him notice, Bucky, so uh, he's not going to like that very much. Uh, we'll chat to your good self about Shield cricket and what the Aussie team might look like. What's the what's the pathways looking like when all these great players, and they're coming towards the end, give it away? And uh, we'll answer a listener question and reveal our village king or queen of the week later in the show. As always, just a reminder, get in touch with us on social media. Just search for Willow Talk Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We love the feedback and reviews. And has another couple of uh, reviews from Apple Podcasts. This one's from Packer Chick, who says, great to listen to current opinions, guests, and general banter. Love Mr. P's constant attempts to get Mr. H to answer his questions and have an opinion that isn't co-curricular activities <laughs> whilst on tour. But those stories are great too. Has you got a review as well? Well, someone's got to have an opinion on the show or no one to listen to. I've got one here as well from uh, – I reckon this guy's your mate. I've got one here from Timo. The Don't. podcast has peaked at the right time. Timo says, new drinking game. Drink every time Has says, peaking at the right time. <laughs> I tell you what, Timo, because Australia peaked at the right time, that is where the best drinking game would be right now with the Australian cricket team. Right. Thank you for those uh, ratings and reviews. Keep them coming. More drinking games are better. Um, absolutely. New and inventive ways. But, uh, Bucky, just back firstly to your current life as we cross to you on this edition of Willow Talk you're actually at a second 11 game so you're doing your job properly what have you learned about the coaching caper as opposed to the playing caper that you've been doing it now for a few years oh that's a that's a tough question to answer yeah look I think it's a, <laughs> it, it's like anything it's a skill right and it just takes it takes time to to get better I always had the bug I always enjoyed kind of getting in and trying to help other players and really trying to understand the game better as well. So from that point of view, there was there was always that passion. It's 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 then going into it and working with players and 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 everything that they're going through. And um, yeah, I think we've got about thirty players on our list. So so there's there's lots of challenges along the way. But yeah, it's it's a passion. I love it. Yeah, and and you ride the roller coaster when you when you. You know, the wins and the losses, we, we won a game on Sunday. It was in the last half hour of the game. It's, it's one of those ones you, you, you can't wipe the smile off your face. So it's great to be a part of and, and see the boys have success. Bucky, you started your coaching career in England. You, you've done a lot of time there. You, you went through the pathways with Cricket Australia at the Centre of Excellence. Mate, your knowledge of the game is second to none. You've you played all around the world. Have you changed from day one of coaching to, to where you are now? Has your thoughts on the game changed and your coaching style? Oh, without a doubt. I think you're constantly evolving. Particularly as a young coach, you come in with, 
with strong opinions. This is how you're going to do it, and then you hit brick walls every everywhere. And 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 I think this is where when I was doing my initial interviews, there was a lot of questions around. Look, are you going to be able enough to coach different personalities as well? So that's been a, a big challenge. Not everyone does it my way. Um, most people don't. So it, it's about having that that flexibility to understand that people have their their unique ways. So. The other thing about that, Hads, I, I don't know about you, I know you've, you've done a lot of coaching now, but you would have been coached by a lot of first class or a lot of, you know, in a lot of first class teams, you would have been coached by a lot of coaches. There's, I always almost see there's, there's two types of aspiring coaches. They're the ones who look at the coaches they had and go, well, that's exactly how I'm going to coach. And then there's the other ones who, who, who look at it and go, no, I reckon I could do a better job. You know, I can, I can see the mistakes that have been made, the good things that have been made, so I'm going to do it my way. So... Yeah, I, I, I probably fall in, in the latter part there, and, and um, it's interesting to, just to see how, how aspiring coaches go about it. And now, this is not to denigrate other coaches that you won't mention, but both of you, best coach and why? I, I, I can't answer that, actually. I, I, I've had I, – I tell Fence you sit. Yeah, I, I tell you why, because you, as Bucky said there, you, I've had some great coaches. You've had yeah. Steve Rickson at the start of your career, which was perfect timing for me. He, he taught me a lot about – what behaviours and what work ethic you, you need to, to be a first-class cricketer. You have someone like Darren Lehman, who's all about moving the game forward and, and making sure that you understood your game, but this is a style you want to play. You have Trevor Bayliss, who takes all the anxiety out of a change room. So I, I take a little bits from from all the coaches I've been around the world. So And when you say the best, that there have been coaches have been perfect time for me. Yep. See, Tim Nielsen, who only did a short time for Australia, was perfect time for me because I, I was a wicketkeeper and, and mm. I was making my trade. Steve Rickson, the same at the start of my career. And at the back end of my career, B- Buff Lehman was a, a, a perfect timing because he was all about taking the game on and, and being free to play your own style. So, yeah, I, I've taken little bits from from everyone. I, I know about Buck. Oh, it's, it's a bit of a boring answer, but it, it's probably right. So, I mean, I look at someone like Greg Shippard, who when I came to Victoria, you know, in a, in a senior side, I mean, his attention to detail is second to none. That was and that was perfect for what that that team needed. He just needed to bring all those 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 big characters um, together. And then you go to someone like Buff Mitch Johnson. I reckon I don't know about you, Hads, but I reckon he was the biggest benefactor out of Buff because Buff just yeah. absolutely made his game plan crystal clear. He just said, for anyone who bats seven and below, I don't want to see a ball pitch in their half. And this is basically, you know, how you're going to do it, and 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 bowl fast, just let him go, kind of thing, and we'll protect you. And and so from that point of view, he was he was excellent. It was funny, I don't know, we'd, we'd sit in those those team meetings, and he'd be saying, "We're going to take the game forward. We're going to take their spinner now." And I'm sitting yeah. in the back of the room, going, "Yeah, great boys, but that's not me. I'm not going to do that." But that's okay. <laughs> he 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 knew too that um, that's not my style, so that was fine. But yeah, I think for that moment, you're right. He was perfect for that that Aussie side. Talking about different coaches, have you ever felt you, yourself trying to overcoach someone? Here's all the information. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to be thinking of now. And then you sort of step back and go, "Hang on a minute, I- I've overcooked this kid." Yeah, I like to say <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's happened. It's, yeah, I think that's too. It's, I'm quite a technical person so sometimes you know like you know i feel i can see what the player might might need but that player might need two years to go through that process where i'm trying i was trying to do it in you know a couple of weeks so yeah with that i know there's some players who've walked away going oh there's just way too much going on in my head now and and that's been good learning as well you've got to be yeah you know, able to, to understand your mistakes and, and see if you can improve. And, and with that, Bucky, yes, you, you are technical-minded. You, you've got a great um, knowledge of the history of the game. Is that when you're picking your own coaching staff then? Do, do you have to pick people that, that say no to you or have got other strengths that, that complement your weaknesses? Yeah, good point, really. It, it's Yeah, you want to have a an all-round kind of coaching team and, and also a coaching team that's relevant to the group you have. So we have Victoria, a, a really quite a young squad, so we need coaches who are very good at development. So in Adam Griffith, the Griffith and Ben Rora, they're absolutely perfect. Whereas before we had Andre Borovic and, and Michael Lewis, and we had a more of a senior side, and and that they were perfect for them as well. So it, it's managing those kind of things. But yeah, definitely the, the ones that complement you and your your characteristics. 
with the celebration factor, you, you you guys mentioned about the the last man standing competition that you once had. So now that you're a responsible coach and you're uh, you know guiding these young men through life, uh, Bucky, when you have a win like you did against Queensland, do you join in? Do you sit at the back of the room and observe, or you just walk out and let them go for it and uh, find out the next day who last man standing was? It's interesting when when I was kind of learning in the in the in the coach space, it was kind of it was a bit said you don't you don't celebrate with the players. And I never really understood because it was, it, was, it was like, well, these sometimes are when you have the best conversations. But then you come to understand it's not about you. It's it's the fact that the players don't actually want you there. They want to be able to let their hair down without <laughs> feeling judged all the time. So probably taken a while for me to understand that. But, um, yeah, definitely, that, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't want to be in deep conversations when they're, you know, they're, they're having fun with their, their mates. So from that point of view, you, you, yeah, I, I think it's time to step back. Yeah, I can't imagine John Buchanan sitting down with a with Warney <laughs> over a Midori lemonade after a test. Mate, win. I, I tell you what, and, and this is how people betray, betray themselves to the outside public. Mm. John Buchanan used to enjoy a test win more more than anyone. Loose unit. Yep, mate. As soon as you you'd win, he'd have his bottle of rum, Queensland style, and and he was Ooh. ready to go. He, it was. Uh, Did Jack Buchanan come out? Mate, alter ego. He was uh, with Maurice Hussey, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, it, it's a good point. You, you think, oh. You Yes, you want the coaches around, but it's also a great time to, to relax because the pressure of international cricket, you, mm. you you need to get away from thinking about the game 24 hours a mm. day. Like we're, we're away on tour for six months of the year. And, and I know Bucky and I, you, you'd be sitting there and we were older when we had Buff Lehman and, and we started to come together and you'd sort of ring up Buck in his room saying, mate, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to get a coffee? Let's, let's go for a bit. Let's get away from cricket for a bit because – Fuck, some of these young kids, mate, they think about the game 24-7. Yeah, it's, it's different culture too. It's There's, you know, even the professionalism has come into it. There's more money. So that accountability is there as well. I, I think when we were growing up, Hats, there was still a bit of a culture of, you know, it's some, I can remember like tours we went on as, as playing for, for our states where there was only one coach. Now you have three coaches, a, a physio, you know, that kind of stuff. Everything's there and that's just state yeah. cricket. It was a lot more relaxed you, you found times to enjoy yourself and and probably didn't take it as seriously now it's it's you know it's all business and rightfully so because guys know what they can achieve out of the game but from that point of view it's probably taken away from some of that that socializing and and um, even the relationship building speaking of a, a young guy who has been in the limelight a fair bit and i don't know if he puts too much pressure on himself i don't I don't know him personally, and Bucky, you could maybe point towards his personality more, but Will Pukowski, can you imagine one day he's back in a baggy green or given everything he's been through with the concussions, it's it's not really about that? Oh, he could definitely be back in the baggy green, yeah. it's Without trying to give too much away, the concussions probably have masked what is the bigger issue for, for Will, and he's been dealing with some, some more mental health issues that – the concussions kind of brought it to life a lot more. He was playing cricket in England and he got hit in the head and he kept batting. Now, if, if you know what Will had been through, I mean, the, you know, he'd, he'd had some times where the ball kind of flicked his head and he was out for a, for a month kind of thing. It wasn't really concussion mm. we were dealing with. It was it was a lot of the uh, the other issues. He's been working through that for a, for a long, long time. And now, like I could comfortably say, this is the best position he's ever been. He's he's um, he's coming through games happy. He, he's um, recovering well. And the interesting thing now, it's more about actually the cricket and the batting. Whereas before, it's almost just all he's ever thought about is getting through a game. So now he's focusing on the batting. There's, he probably hasn't got the runs he, he wants, but that will click for him very shortly, I, I think. And, and then. You know, Will is such a class player that if he gets he gets a run on, his his name will be right up there again. That's an interesting one, um, there, Buck. And, and knowing your coaching style, how, how much is it? Do you get on the tools, or are you man management? Like, has that did that shock you when when you got into the, to coaching? Going, oh, I can't wait to get into this guy. I want to throw balls to him for an hour. I want to fix his technique. Watch some vision with him. How much are you on the tools, or just putting out fires, or or talking to players, dealing with players, managers, parents, dealing with uh, head of um, cricket? Yeah, it's a it's a slightly scar. Um, has a, I think initially when we you know when I came in with a really really young squad. I mean the, this. Squad now is probably four years along, but really young. So it was it was about getting down in the weeds with them, 
trying yeah. to almost teach them what it is to be a professional cricketer. Now that self-management is, is, is good, we've got some really strong young leaders as well who are taking, taking the guys forward from that point of view. You know, I've got some assistant coaches who have come in and who uh, have now developed their relationships. So I, I probably now deal less with the individual technical coaching and that kind of stuff. It's more, yeah, what you're talking about, the, the, the management of players. Selection's always a big issue. It always has been, always will be. How do you, you know, how do you oh, deal yeah. with that kind of stuff? <laughs> but also, you know, we've had, we've had more days missed from, for cricket, from mental health than we have from injury. So, it's it's a it's a really changing landscape from that point of view, and then it's been you know probably nothing. I, there wasn't what I expected when I came in. I didn't expect that to be a you know a, a factor, but that's the thing you have to deal with. I probably wasn't ready for that, you know. And then, but I've it's been excellent yeah. learning along the way. I bet it has been. Let's get to the Australian cricket team now, and you, you've got two openers at the moment, guys. Dave Warner, Usman Khawaja, thirty-seven, thirty-seven. Now we understand, unless he changes his mind. And given how he was flying around the outfield, it doesn't look like he's 37. David Warner is going to stop Red Bull cricket at the SCG test this summer. So that opens up one vacancy. Uzi's still got a bit. He's still scoring runs at the highest level. But it means there's an opportunity there for guys who are in state cricket, happily, uh, scoring runs regularly. Marcus Harris with you, Bucky. Uh, you got Cam Bancroft, who seems to be posting up great numbers, and, and Matty Renshaw, who's been around the test squad for the last 12 months. I've got a fair idea who you're going to vote for, Bucky, to um, take the – and you've got an issue if you don't vote for this guy because uh, you have to spend a bit of time with him over the next summer. But in all seriousness, where do you see that uh, little looming battle? Well, I mean, Harris is centrally contracted. So I think the Aussie selectors have, have um, tipped their hat from that point of view. So I would expect, you know, if, if, if that opportunity – the interesting thing is, um, Bancroft and, and, and Renshaw started off like a house on fire and and, and, and Marcus, he missed the first game because of um, the birth of his of his child, Max. But yeah, and you know what it's like. It's, it's, it's timing, isn't it? You know, and now it's yep. kind of those guys have kind of missed out, haven't got the, the post the big scores and Marcus has got a couple of big scores. So it could be just, you know, right time, right place. But I, I, I'd like to think that Marcus will, will get the, the first chance. He's had a, a few goes in it now and, and sometimes it just takes a few goes to understand what you need to, to do to, to be successful at, at that level. Yeah, Buck, you're talking about that that man who's talking about um, retirement, David Warren. There's been no more polarising in figure in, in, in Australian cricket. You, you either love him, you hate him, but mm. he's a world-class player. But one thing about batting, it's, a, it's about communication. And Buck, say when he got out, I'd be getting my pads ready to to, to go out to bat. So you talk to the senior players and, and, and the guys you trust about the surface. Davey might be on 100 off 60 balls and Buck will come in and say, mate, you say that wicket looks all right. And Buck goes, it is not that easy, everyone. <laughs> Just realise he plays a different game to the rest of us. So it was hard work at times opening with Davey, wasn't it? It, it was initially. I can remember, I mean, I remember this because we played what we played Ten tests against England, almost my, my second yep. time round. It was my second test. We played ten tests in a row against England. I got out to Jimmy Anderson in the first test of that twice, and then probably one of the proudest things I've had. He only ever got me out once more in the rest of that that kind of that ten test. Um, yep. two, and but that time was in Adelaide, and we'd gone out to bat, and Dave was on forty two. And I was on two, and the crowd were going like nuts. And I was like, "They are not coming here to watch me bat." That kind of thing. And um, and like, well, I just I threw my hands at a at a cover drive, nicked off, and uh, to Anderson. And I just walked off, and I was absolutely furious. I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" Like, they're bowled seven overs here, and the score was forty four, and I'm playing a big cover drive. What, uh, you know, so. Um, that was a real moment, and then it was it was realizing that yeah. actually don't don't look at my own score, look at the partnership score, and, and Davy's taking all the pressure. The other thing is because because he was such a knob on the field that all the play all the opposition would, would just sledge him. It was like he didn't even exist. So it was perfect, perfect for me. I didn't want to get into a sledging war. So after a while, it, it became the best thing. But initially, it was it was quite a challenge, kind of. You know, looking at this bloke down the other end, thinking oh, I'm a really good player, and then this bloke's just ten times better. So it was, it was, um, 
it was tough on the ego, but once you put that away, it was good to go. Yeah, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know, walking into a nightclub full of hens parties with Brad Pitt. (laughs) You're inconsequential to the whole existence of everything that's going on, pretty much. Um, uh, Just a quick one on uh, how we look for... <laughs> How we look for the next ashes, guys. You look at the the test lineup at the moment. There's only three guys under the age of thirty, and two of them are twenty nine. And Travis Head's acting like a nineteen year old at the moment, not a twenty nine year old. But uh, Cam Green is the only twenty four year old. If you if you take into account that it's either his spot or Mitch Marsh's, so there's a lot of regeneration going to take place over the next four years. Like you you've seen this, you know it. You're watching second eleven games like you. You're having as many breakfasts as you're watching second 11 games. What is coming through? What does the pipeline look like? And are we headed for a lull or just a continuation of success? I think it'd be difficult to say we'll have the same success just because, you know, you're talking about unbelievable players. We'll still be very good, but it'll always take time. I think it's a bit like, and Hans will know this, when, when almost the best team that ever walked over a road, you know, that had, you know, yeah. Langer, Hayden, Ponting, you know, all these blokes, the list goes on, McGrath, Warren, Gilchrist, all these guys. It just, it, then it just took a, you know, they, they all kind of went left and then it just takes time for people to come in, feel comfortable at that level. And, and oh, look, you know, the, the Travis Head selection for the World Cup, they were kind of adamant, we're going to get him because he's he was ready to go rather than bring in another player who has to kind of find their feet a little bit or whatever, that 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 kind of thing. And they were like, no, no, this guy's ready to go. He's he's the finished product almost. So it's just gonna take time for um for the maybe a, a new side to find its feet. But there's there's always good talent in Australia. It's just about giving them the, the opportunities to to get that experience, I think. Mm. What do you reckon it's headed hats? Yeah, I, I reckon Bucky's spot on. I think we've got some generational players that are about to retire in Warner, Smith, um, Hazelwood, um, Stark. Um, well, like these guys you don't replace. And it's a bit like um, when we came into the test team and Bucky probably had the same feeling. Like you're following Hayden and Langer, who can be argued as our best open and pair ever to play the game. And, mm. and I was following Gilly. So <laughs> I didn't think too much about being Adam Gilchrist. I had to sit back and say, no, no, these are the skills that, that I can bring to the team. We'll, we'll gradually get success when we get comfortable at that level. But if you go in trying to be David Warner or Usman Kawadra or bowl like Mitchell Stark, you're not going to make it. And, and I remember my first taste of test cricket was uh, the Indian series when Laxman and Jarvid enforced a follow-on and yeah. they batted all day. And, and I remember sitting on the sideline carrying the drinks and I was on standby for that test with Adam Gilchrist. Halfway through the game, I'm sitting there and I'm white as a ghost going, I'm not ready for this shit. Yeah. This intensity <laughs> yeah. is too much. And, and Bucky, you started your, your test career. You had a bit of a break, then you came back. Were you ready when you got your first crack? In many respects, no, which is funny because I was 30, but I never yeah. really believed I was going to get a, a go just because, man, who was I going to kick out of the side? It was, you know, it was it was unbelievable side. And then when I, when it happened, I mean, it probably didn't help that Matthew Hayden, who I replaced, sat in the change room the whole time, <laughs> just to remind me I was only going to get one test. But, but that's a different point. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was um, it was intimidating playing with with those guys. Yeah. And I probably yeah, I probably made a few mistakes there as well. But when, when, even when I came back, I came back had my first test back was when Ashton Agar made ninety eight, batting number eleven, and yeah. And Jimmy Pattinson was there, and he was a good batter. And I remember after the first two tests, because we played that second test at Lords, um, we were embarrassed. Yep. I got hit in the box in a full toss, where I, where I just oh, didn't see the ball God. off off Graham Swan. And then, oh my goodness! I remember Alan Border was my hero. He was my, you know, like he was the legend of the game. I loved the way he played. And he came out of the media and he said. Numbers 9, 10, 11 in the batting order are better than 1, 2, 3. <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> I was like, oh, how's this going for me? But, um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was challenging. The other thing is when you go and play international cricket, it's not like shield cricket. Shield cricket, you only really get headlines when you do well. When you go play you know, international cricket and you fail, well, watch out. You know, that's, that, 
that that's what you've got to get used to and, and it's tough. Just hang there, Bucky and Hads. We'll be back in a moment with a period of success for both of you, a great Ashes series in 2013-14. Memories on the way. So 10 years since this Ashes series, guys, where you beat England 5-0. It, it was a weird one because it was a quick turnaround from the previous one in England because the, the schedule was all flipped on its head. But had, did you have any inkling that you were going to do that to them? Like you not only beat them, you pulverised them and you sent, blokes, you sent blokes into retirement mid-series as well. It was the perfect storm from an Australian perspective and not so much from an English perspective. Yeah, I tell you what, one, it was the most enjoyable part of my cricket career. To, to have the opportunity to, to play in a team like that for, for six weeks, we had the same 11 players for, for every test match. And we're all at the same stage in, in our career. We all thought we deserved a, an Ashes campaign. We, we, we'd played long enough. And when we lost 3-0 in England, it wasn't that we got nailed by them. It was we just lost all the big moments, and mm. and that was on a lot of the senior players. And so we we had to fix that. And we we knew if we did that, this England team were vulnerable. We just didn't play well enough to to get in there and and, and break them. But this series, everything clicked. Oh, Chris played well. David played well at the top of the order. Everyone had their moment. But in the end, it was Mitchell Johnson was playing a different game to to anyone that's ever played. We'll get to Mitch in a moment, Bucky, but I just want to touch on one memory. Uh, when Hads got out within sight of a century in the first test up at the Gabba, was there a massive dummy spit that you can remember? And what was he like in those moments when it was – Never dummy spit. It was all – no no, no Michael Slater pads in the toilet type situation nope. or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't remember. I do remember um, – I don't know if he's spoken about this, but Hads was the king of the casual hurl just before he had to go out and, and bat field so there would be a bin there and he'd just lean over and throw up it was it was weird i'd never really seen it before so in the bin yeah. well i couldn't make it to the toilet it was it was coming as well, i walked you, out you so knew I, it was coming so like, well, it would have been yourself. late it's just little <laughs> yeah, just and, and you walk out it was just it, it's strange it was, yeah. oh, i'd never seen it and you just you kind of stand next to him he just he just casually just turn over and just just put his lunch in the in the in the bin um and then <laughs> and then he just get yeah, you go out you go and i'm just like what is that so yeah, he, he, I don't think he was – he was pretty relaxed. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I think he played it right. I don't remember too many dumb yeah. spits. A few of the other blokes did. <laughs> no, Fair enough. Oh, actually, Buck, go back through your memory. Last test at the Oval when you're reading your Kindle and I got sent in to pinch hit the Cree team. Is that when you had a big blow up, is it? Remember, you're you're laying on the floor in the oval, and somehow the creatine uh, oh, tub went yeah. over everyone in the change room. <laughs> what color was that? It was like blue or something, was it? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, you can explain yes. it. Yes, it went everywhere. We all had those moments. <laughs> yeah. So you got out and you've you've just flung the bat and it's hit the creatine tub and it's just gone like like a magic trick. It's just well, gone all up in the air. We're, we're sitting there. It was the the last test match, and the game was fizzling out into a draw. And we nearly <laughs> lost it in the end, actually. Um, the, the light saved us. And, and we were sort of just sitting there saying, oh, well, we've got a plan for next Ashes. And Michael said, we're going to try to win this. And we're thinking, hang on a minute, there's only two and a half hours left. He said, mm. go out and see if you can move the game forward. Yeah. I said, oh, there you go, another drinking game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just got that in. <laughs> Drink. Anyway, oh, I've tried. Yeah. Nicked it, failed, walked off, and <laughs> then we sort of closed up. And I, I don't know how it was there, but I, I sort of flung my bat. And I didn't think anyone was in the room. I wouldn't have done it with anyone who was in the room. Mm. And there's a massive creatine tub for the bowlers, and the whole room <laughs> it was just had a dust. <laughs> and I've sort of walked into the the shower just to calm down. I, I've come out, and it looked like a murder scene. <laughs> <laughs> it, it had an imprint of like all the dust around and just this clear <laughs> bit on the ground. I looked over and it's all over Bucky's face. He, <laughs> he was laying there reading his Kindle. It was like a piñata. <laughs> reading a bit of Sigmund Freud explosion. just trying to get intelligent about it. <laughs> Mm. How good. He's never been more muscly in his life. <laughs> How good. <laughs> I know. No wonder he's cut. <laughs> Looks like John Cena. <laughs> Bucky, just back to that, that series a decade ago, was it as fiery as the reputation it's given, like as in the sledging and, you know, getting into the opposition? Oh. And Obviously, Jonathan Trott uh, left the, the tour early. Graham Swan just went, I've time out. I'm going home for Christmas. See you later. I'm done with Test cricket. Was it particularly, like, over the top or was it just – 
normal cricket and they couldn't cop uh, it. it was, it come from really in England because in England had got ahead in the series and then they were giving it to us. And, and I mean, I remember Jansen and he has a strong northern English accent. And he used to, he called, I reckon he called me an effing old C, I don't know, 50 times kind of thing. And that's all he'd say to me. <laughs> and there was one time he walked past me. I was like in mid conversation, middle pitch with the other battery. And I heard him say something. And I, I was like, he said something different now, I think. So and I never engaged with him. I turned around. I said, what did you say? He said, you effing ugly old C. That was, that was it. And I was like, oh, good chat, mate. So I remember after the series, I went up to him. <laughs> And um, I said, mate, like, do you think you could you could come up with a, some some better sledging, you know, like something a little bit different? And he, and he just looked at me, said, Buck, he said, I'm too dumb to think of anything else. So I was like, oh, fair enough, fair enough. But <laughs> there was um, there was this kind of yeah, it was it was on. And then you know we'd lost because Hads was in India when they had a the homework game. Can't remember what was, what was that nine tests without a win. And then we played that that game. Hads Hads had the unbelievable day one. We were in a little bit of trouble. He came out, just closed his eyes, yep. swung, and it came off as, as sometimes it would, big fella. And then um, then we went out to bowl. And I remember we had specific plans, and they were kind of built around uh, Mitch. And, and we had this kind of leg slip for um, for trot. Mitch was running in and bowled in speed of light, and Hads was standing, you know, so far back, or almost outside the circle, yep. and. And he got a little tickle. and didn't go to leg slip, but I went to, to how'd you put it? And yep. we came together. And I reckon that was the moment it was almost like, yep, this series is ours. We're going to win this because plans are going to work. And then right after that, in came Peterson. And Mitch bowled him a bumper. And he went to, you know, he's one of the great players ever. And he went to pull it. And it was too fast. And he pulled out. And he just he just went, ah, at top of his voice kind of thing. And it was it was like, uh, we were all over these guys. And then we, were, we, we we dominated on the back of Mish. And then he had Ryan Harris, who was, you know, bombed the absolute house down as well. Sometimes doesn't get the credit what, what you do. And even and even Sid, Sid, Sid did a, a, a brilliant job as well along with Nate. So we had this, you know, unbelievable attack that could get 20 wickets and we just need to get the run. So that, that, was, that was amazing. Now, there's obviously one particular part of that series that, you know, will live – forever and it's the Mitch Johnson spell at Adelaide Oval. So four or five overs of just extreme brutality and pace and has a question for you. Who was his first victim of that little spell just after lunch? I think it was on day two. Day two? Yeah, or whatever. Um, but his first of that spell yeah. where he took four or five wickets and just destroyed. Alistair Cook. Nope. He Car- took Carberry. He, he, no, he got Cook earlier in the innings but that particular spell. Ben Stokes. First ever test. Oh, yeah. I've had that good story about that first test too with Ben Stokes. He got fined in his first test. Remember that? Where, where, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Buck. But I remember leading into to that game and, and there was talk about Ben Stokes playing and, and Michael Divinuda, our batting coach at the time, you sort of asked him about oh, what sort of character he is. He said he's fiery. If you get the opportunity, mate, he, he will bite. Hmm. And I remember it being on 50 and he bombed me. He's beautifully loud. He nicked it and walked off. And I was halfway off and there was a cheer. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Sounds like the Aussies. I looked up and it was a no ball. Oh. <laughs> and oh, I walked yeah. back in. I walked past Ben Stokes and I sort of tapped him on the bum and said, mate, congratulations about your first test wicket. It's a tough, <laughs> um, tough thing to get it. And all of a sudden things are blowing up everywhere. I'm laughing. Uh, uh, Clark's out there batting as well. He goes, what have we done here? And I said, mate, he's only young. This is going to work in our favour. And he's trying to bowl faster and we're saying congratulations. Big moment, first test wicket. <laughs> and, and in the end, he got fined a percentage of his match fee in, in, in his first test. Oh, and, and I got nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, he's made up for it. But what do you remember about that day? Like you just coming in every five seconds to join in the celebration in the huddle. It, it was it was a bit like when he bowled to South Africa in that first test, just following that. It's like you're, you're bowling to world-class players, oh, yeah. but you're making them look like club players and you're just, just knocking. And it doesn't really, you know, like you, we've all played against these guys a bit. They've always, you know, they've had a lot of success kind of thing. And here's, here's John O just eating them up for fun, really, um, but just bomb so fast. Like, we had to face him in the nets, and this oh, was yeah. before um, the tragic yeah. field, Horrible. field Hughes incident. And so he used to practice bomb bumpers at the top order, including me. I'm 30-whatever, six. And um, 
colorblind. Yeah, and, and just like absolutely <laughs> petrified in the nets. Um, but he was just yeah, mate, he was bowling so fast. It's it's hard to describe. It was it was just incredible yeah. to watch. Mate, what was better for you that uh, series? Your, your fourth inning century to win the Boxing Day Test, or uh, the soaring catch at the Wacker to dismiss <laughs> Tim Bresnan, which I'm told was later reenacted with beer in hand after winning the series. Uh, yeah, that was pretty good. I must admit that, that was that was enjoyable. I remember that after that we went out, we went to Warnings Villa and the the casinos as well. Remember yeah. had and we had a we had an absolute yep. stormer there. That, that was that was brilliant, but. Uh, uh, that was that was a great because that was us winning the series really. The the other thing about yep. the the Melbourne and the, the Sydney test, they they're they're the best two tests to play in because it's because of the time of the year, it's holidays. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I, I think you you throw in having success in those games and you know that was probably like like had said mm. it was some of the best time time of. Uh, well, I'll just go. I'll tell one more story. I, I think you're getting the the hint to to wrap it up, but. One of the other things I, no, I no, remember no. in the um, in the series in England was every you'd review, and I don't know if it still happens, but whenever you'd review, like so, there'd be an LB shout be given out. The batsmen would come together and they'd, they'd kind of you know have a discussion. And I was often with because I was opening the batting with Watto, and we knew every time he got hit in the pad, he's reviewing right. So and then he'd, he'd uh, <laughs> that all you'd hear from the England players is do it, do it. Do it, do it, do it, and then, and then he'd eventually <laughs> review, and they would just burst into cheers, yeah, like that kind of thing. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I remember he did this in the first first test, um, Trent Bridge, and he and he got it wrong again, and he was absolutely crucified on social media. And then we we played we played the second test, and before that, he comes to me and says, "Fuck," he said, "Man, I'm I'm not reviewing. I don't care if it's going down. Like, I'm not reviewing. Like, I'm over this." I was like, "Yeah." Smart thinking, mate. About time, kind of thing. Anyway, played played the Lords. Where they got three hundred odd. We're number for forty, I think, or number thirty odd. And I think it was Bresnan, like nip one down slow, and hit him, hit him, kind of in front. Anyway, given out, and he's gone head down. He has to walk past me to go to the pavilion, and he kind of gets there, and I'm like, "What are you, you going to review?" And he goes, looks up, he goes, "No, mate, that's punk." I said, "Mate, no, I reckon that's hit you outside the line." He goes, no, nah, man, that's out. I said, mate, I'm telling you that's hit you outside the line. And he goes, really? <laughs> I said, yes, it's definitely hit you outside the line. But you better be sure. I said, yeah, I am, mate. So we reviewed, and sure enough, they all the England got that kind of thing. Anyway, red, 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 <laughs> absolutely plum. See you later, pal. I got got absolutely <laughs> smashed on social media. <laughs> All my fault. <laughs> <laughs> the poor bastard. Yeah. We're going to give him the right of reply yeah. eventually. Because yeah. even still, when there's a bad review, you see it on social media, it's, oh, he's done a watto there. The poor guy, it anyway, just follows it, him everywhere. It came back to me because that LB that I followed shortly after, Swan bowled the full toss, went above the sight screen, all the crowd there on colourblind, they didn't, didn't really see it, tried to get over mid-wicket and hit me in the box. <laughs> And I remember I was back with Uzi, and this way, this time, I had to walk the other way to go, you know, like, Uzi, Uzi, do you think I should review? And Uzi just kind of looked at me, didn't answer. Uzi, do you think I should review? He did not say a word. So I walked off. Sure enough, it was missing another set. So, yeah, I... I it was probably oh, my own fault. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, mate, um, thanks so much for joining us. It, it, like the, the dance moves, I know you're a responsible coach now, but like can you just give us one hads about his dance moves at the celebra- fan celebration after that Ashes series win or, or up in Warney's Villa or at Club 23 or wherever you ended up? Oh, I, I can't talk about much of that, but what he said about us being the last two to, to ever get home, that's very true, and and I'm not going to give away trade secrets, but I, I tell you what, th- this 2024 Paris, yeah, he could make it. <laughs> well, well, it's it's one and done, Bucky. <laughs> it's like it's it's like out of the Olympics after Paris. So you, your time's running out. To I'll, I'll I'll tell one more story because we don't even talk about that rubbish. But um, I'll tell one more story, and this is <laughs> this is I'll never forget this moment. So no, this is a good one. I, I remember you were up the other end when I I got my my first hundred. And it was against, oh, it was yeah. uh, fourth test at Durham, Durham kind of thing. And it was, I'd placed 21 balls or something on 96 and I was panicking kind of thing. What had got out in the meantime, you'd come out. And I basically I got to a point like I either try and hit him, 
because it was all against Swan. I couldn't get off strike. So either I'd try and slog him over his head, which was going to end badly, or I or I just closed my eyes and sweep, and there was no one in the deep. So in the end, I'm, like, I'm going to sweep it. And he bowled it in the perfect spot, and I hit it. And there's a, like a fraction there of the moment where the crowd doesn't know what's happened, but you know what's happened. And so it was like this unbelievable relief, and I'm kind of – because I'm 35, 36, and I'm run down the other end. And I don't even know if you remember what you said, Hads. But basically, I was I, – was all these emotions, and then um, I just kind of got there. And you came up and you put your arm around me and said, "Mate, you deserve this." And and that like it may not sound like much, but that was that meant so much to me. And it was uh, it was yeah, it was a magic moment. So I'll always be grateful for that, mate. Good to have you down the other end. No, mate, it was enjoyably down the other end. But I was a bit like Uzi when he's going. Am I going to sweep? I'm going over the top. <laughs> I'm just looking at him going, just. Get it in the middle. <laughs> just, just get it in the just middle. Hit the ball. <laughs> Mate, we both started our test career late, so you, yeah, you, you go through stages in, in your career where, and Buck and I were the same. We, we thought we'd never ever get a crack mm. at, at test cricket. We were behind that one of the best teams ever. We were only able to get a game late, but just one to end, Buck. That Ashes series, that, we we had eleven plays through the the whole five tests. To me, that that was one of the most enjoyable times in my career not not just winning the the way we did in the style we did but the men we had in the change room i i, I think from one to 11 and our staff we, we all complimented each other yeah yeah it was i mean when do you ever have a series where it's all 11 players but and we'll always have that that that's you know one of those things you'll always yeah. be able to share that with 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 everyone and um yeah i i Every every because we came in late. Every moment you're trying to make a winner. These were brand new experiences. These were incredible. So, yeah, I'll be forever grateful to to be a part of that. Yeah, and 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 have those memories for the for the rest of our lives. Well, thanks for sharing uh, some of them from a decade ago. No doubt the the best series you've ever been a part of. I don't know how you topped that, beating England 5-0 and some iconic moments that we still talk about to this day on a regular basis. But um, Chris Rogers, thank you for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the, the impending games with Victoria and uh, furthering yourself as a coach. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. You're a good man, Buck. Thank you. That's how good was that. And just for those uh, who are wondering who those 11 were that played every, every one of the five tests... Uh, in 2013-14. So it was Rogers Warner, Watson at three, Clark Smith, Bailey, yourself, Bradley Haddon, then Mitch Johnson, Peter Siddle, Ryan Harris, and Nathan Lyon at the start of his career. So, yeah, good mix of, of experience and new and getting a vulnerable England and making them look more than vulnerable really quickly. <laughs> well, really quickly. That that was George Bailey's only five test matches. Wow. He's, he's never played any test cricket outside of that. He... And he's, he's um and remember his quality not quantity is yeah. he because he comes in for the one day World yeah. Cup as well bang, and, bang, bang. <laughs> and remember the the over Jimmy Anderson was giving him a bit of a hard time where, where Clark said I'll oh, stand there and I'll break your effing I'll arm. Break your arm that, that didn't go down too well in the jet in the for Australia's reputation worldwide thinking we're a bunch of bullies but didn't really know what was going on yeah, around that, that. He, he was having to go at George in his first test so and, and if you remember when it got gets to Perth. Mm. He's hit Jimmy Anderson, I think, for twenty-four off his over. Mm. He's just gone bang, 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 and uh, <laughs> and had his moment in the sun there. So, mate, great team, great team, great memories. Listen to questions. Joe Shah slid into our DMs. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Australia are used to fielding on the bigger grounds, and I believe this was another factor in the World Cup final last weekend. Of course, India are no slouches in the fielding department, but throughout the tournament, it's been predominantly smaller venues. Thoughts on that, Hats? Was first, that a factor? First thought, yeah, it's a very good question because I can take you back before I answer that to 2015 when, mm. when New Zealand were dominating the World Cup when it was in Australia and New Zealand. You, you see Brendan McCullum going off, their batters hitting the ball, Guptill, I think he got 200 during that tournament at uh, Eden Park. The ball was flying everywhere. But Eden Park had boundaries like 30 metres long behind well, the bowler. And, and that's my point. And, and they beat us over there. And... We remember talking about it. if we get New Zealand in the semi or the final, the grounds are different. So mm. our plan was to, yes, use your short ball, get them to hit to the deep pockets of the MCG because normally that would be going out of the ground. Yeah. And we were used to playing, hitting those pockets, run two and three, putting pressure on the bowlers, earning the right to hit the um, mm. fort, the the back end. So 
Australia used to play in those size size grounds where yet you have to work for your boundaries, and we and we seen that um, in the in the final where they only hit four boundaries outside of the power play. I couldn't, and Harsha Bogle brought it up in commentary. I couldn't believe how quickly. And it's an art as well. It's not yeah. a case of, oh, the ball's going over there. I better run after it. It's in anticipation. And a guy like David Warner, the number of times you go, oh, yeah, and we only see it on the screen. That's four. Oh, wait, look at this yellow flash coming out of yeah. nowhere. It's it's um, it's um, an art form. Well, I, I tell you where it is an art form. And, and say, for example, someone like David Warner's bat, he's got great power, can clear the boundaries. Uh, I, I think he hit the second most sixes for the tournament outside of Rohit Sharma. But if you watch what they do, they they hit the gaps and they bring the deep fielders in. They hit it two, 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 mm. where it gets to the point where the field is embarrassed. So he comes in, 10 off the fence. All of a sudden, bang, and you see balls just go over their head. But on commentary, they, they talk about, oh, he should have been on the fence. But it, it's a lead up. It, it's, a, mm. it's a planned attack on, on that fielder to bring him in, bring him in. So there's a lot of tactics um, at play when you're playing on a bigger ground. Yeah, absolutely. Now, sticking with international cricket, the ICC is introducing a stop clock to keep the game moving. Oh, drink. So in ODIs and T20 internationals from December to April next year, if a bowler, uh, a bowling team takes longer than 60 seconds between overs, a five-run penalty will be imposed after the third time it happens. Kind of like strike three if you get penalised. It won't feature in the upcoming... T20 series against India, it will start England Windies December 3, that series. Thoughts on that? Love it. Yeah? Love it. Oh, my bug bears that uh, we don't get through our overs in time. Well, Australia was two overs down in the final. Yeah, and, and that's that's got to do with a number of factors. It is one, this will put a bit of pressure on the, the fielders. They'll, they'll be able to get there. They've got to get to the, the position in time. It was interesting when... Um, I was playing, the, the umpires would always be on your case, get through the overs, get through the overs. And I used to jog through all the overs. Hmm. You used to jog through and make sure you're you're in position first because it, it's the keeper's role to control that tempo. Keep you fit, wouldn't it? Well, it should. Um, <laughs> and, and I remember the umpires used to say, you've got to get through the overs. Yeah. And, and I remember going back at the umpire and saying, well, hang on a minute. Every time you talk to us about getting through the overs, you wait at the non-striker's end and tell me to make sure the team's getting through the overs. And then we've got to wait for you for 30 seconds to get back to deep square leg. So <laughs> what about you just walk straight at the end of the over to square leg and let's just see how that plays out. <laughs> we'll do our job. One thing that does my head in, and a lot of people as well, the glove changes for batters. It's out of control. And some of our greats are culpable, Steve Smith being one of them. It's like sometimes he's calling for new gloves every four overs. That I, I would say, I'd bring it in. It's written down here by producer Sam. I would say one glove change per innings. Or per hundred runs. Well, how much do you do you sweat compared to the next? What what about if it becomes dangerous? Your gloves will get too wet. I, I didn't change mine. Too bad. Um, Entertaining. Well, you let the bat go and you hit um, bat pad and the. If you look closely the at the glove, bat pad, <laughs> you get rid of bat pad quick. If you look closely at the glove changes, and, and yes, there's a lot. I'm not. I'm not disputing that. Too many. Well, there there is a lot. But you watch the the twelfth man is ready mm. standing on the boundary. When they, as soon as they say over, he's off, mm. and he's handed those gloves over before the two batters are together in the middle. So a, a lot of the time they haven't influenced any time yeah, taken out of the, the game. A lot of the time they're having a drink and they're oh, a little little rub down with the towel to get the sweat off and all of that. Yeah. Just guys, like well, well, drinks are an interesting one. Yeah, because I, I think now the only reason you have drinks is to give the umpires a break and uh, the a longer ad break for the TV broadcasters. So yeah. that ain't changing. Well, that's drinks not break and not going anywhere. The fielding team and batting team don't need drinks anymore because every time you lose a wicket, they come on for a drink. Um, then the batters get one. Go to the, the boundary, get yeah. a drink. So you, you actually don't, only for broadcasters, and that's important because it keeps everyone paid, but you actually don't need a drinks break other than to give the umpires a break. What about this one? Bowl overs in blocks from one end. So five from one end, then five at the other, and so on. Limits moving between each end. You'd be better for the keeper, wouldn't it, doing those shuttle runs after every yeah, over? I, I don't mind that in gimmick series like at the 100 and different things like that. I, I, I wouldn't like to see that in, in international cricket. I, I tell you another way you, you could solve it. Mm. Invite every time you play an international game, have a roster where, say, a Pirates from Hunters Hill under 15s or 14s team, mm. you stand around the boundary. So every time the, the ball gets whacked in the first 15 overs, instead of the, the fielding team chasing the ball out, 
mm. picking it up. The kids just throw it back in. Ball, ball, boy girls. Yep. Uh, ball girls. You know, ball yep. kids. That's what I'm trying to get yeah. at. What? Yeah, that'd, that'd change time. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Kids would be involved yep. as well. And they'll get a close-up look mm. uh, at – imagine watching in a World Cup final, watching Mitchell Marsh or uh, – he's Sam, mm. the producer, doesn't like it. No, he's. He, I think he's worried about child safety. <laughs> Put a helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, sign a waiver. Mate, my, yeah, kid, sign my a waiver. kids come home and said, oh, I'm going to stand uh, out there. I say, well, we don't see a de- deep square leg when Mitch Marsh is yeah. there, but do your best. Now to our uh, our little segment at the end here, Village Kings and Queens. Caloundra Cricket Club got in touch about Scott Teichman, who claimed figures of 10 for 35 of 11.2 overs against Caboolture in fourth grade. Now, this is off the back of Gareth Morgan, our man up there in uh, southeast Queensland. S- something going on up there, taking six for six, uh, six off six in the last over to win a game in a third grade game up there or a third division game up there recently. But Scotty is a 43-year-old primary school teacher who bowls medium pace. He only started playing three years ago because his son played with the club. Yeah, and his 17-year-old son used to bag out dad that he'd never beat his best haul of seven for seven. Guess what, boy? Dad's got you. <laughs> 10 for 35. Well, I'll tell you what, Scotty. Hmm? Retire. <laughs> it does not get any better than that. No. Well done. So keep them coming, Village Kings and Queens. We want to know what happens on a weekend. Give us your best. I- you- I've got one. you got one. Yeah. yeah. You know how high management's been, been all over us to, to chain the name and, and since um, Heels has come in, like, yeah, we're getting close to the door. You were getting close yeah, to the door. Yeah. We've come up with a name. Have we? Yeah. What is it? Have a look. Keeping it real with Keeping Heels it real. and Hads and, and just look at the number one seed, our captain. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> hey, that I'm 20 cent, <laughs> That 20 cent piece sign, I can't quite make it out in the, <laughs> the bottom right corner, but... I'm I'm not all for this. Heels comes in and all of a sudden she's pushing us both yeah. out the door. But you, like she's actually that that's a pretty loud statement. Hey, I'm 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 fine with it. As long as I'm involved somehow <laughs> and I'm still getting paid the same. And by the way, when did you have nits hats? Did you have nits when you're playing international cricket? Mate, you have to sh- shave your head. Mate, that was short back and sides. Mate, I had a helmet on all the time. I looked fit there actually. Yeah, but um this at, this was heels from, as well. That's right yeah. at the start of her career. She'd be happy with that. She one. Uh, she did this up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's got plenty of spare time. Yeah, on so her mate, we'll we'll talk to her uh when she gets in. But uh yeah, that that's what she's keen to to change the name. She's been here two episodes and yeah. Willow Talk has gone and it's keeping it real with heels and hads and I don't know who's in the far right corner. Yeah, no. Carl Stefanovic, I'm not sure. <laughs> He's not quite. Not quite. Michael Clark won't be involved if Carl's in the bottom right-hand corner. We're tr- still trying to get MJ Clark on. But, yeah, just on that photo, had nicely done there with the uh, the 3,000 push-ups before you had those photos <laughs> taken as well. And then pushing yourself up as well, doing the AFL photo. <sighs> That's when I was an athlete. That was a good days. <laughs> well done. Hads, thank you for that. Uh, see you next week for Willow Talk when we'll be back for Kevin and Real, it looks like. <laughs> I feel I'm invited. <laughs> Have a, have a great weekend, everyone, and keep those village and uh, kings and queens coming in our DMs as well. And don't forget to vote for our team of the tournament after the draft. Heels and Hads will reveal all next Monday. Comment on the post that we did with the two lineups. Before we get to that, quickly, I'd just like to thank Heels' family for voting. You've been <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> we'll have those results on Tuesday. Have a good one, everyone. Listener.